Amen. Way to start this morning. The Lord's standing there saying, Come on in. It's his house. Amen. He wants us to come and just fellowship with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the hope that is in Jesus Christ, your Son. God, may you have your will and way in this place today. May we leave here today knowing that we're in the center of your will and that nothing of this world can come against us that you have not already taken care of. So, Father, may your will be done in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome the wonderful, wonderful Lord's Day. We are so happy you're here. What a glory it is to worship the Lord. Now let's try to Smash the button, but I didn't hold it long enough. We're glad you're here. And we want you to make yourself at home. A lot of visitors, and let me just say that uh, our two-year-old Sunday school class not only had perfect attendance, but two visitors. Our new uh, couples class was uh, perfect attendance and had others joining it as well. We had 200 in Sunday school. I had the great uh, privilege of teaching our son, uh, student Sunday school this morning. And what a great bunch of young people who are serving the Lord. Here at 915, uh, I want to say, just ready to study the Word, but you got to get, get a McDonald's biscuits and donuts and things in them, and then they're ready to study the Word. Uh, but hey, why not enjoy that fellowship time? And I appreciate all of our student workers and all that they do. Things are very bright at Eastside. We've got a lot to be thankful for. We can't wait till things coming up. Next Sunday is National Back to Church Sunday. And uh, I hope you're planning on being here. Whatever may be in the way, set it aside. It's going to be a phenomenal day. Bring someone with you. This is one opportunity that you could invite someone that they may come if they wouldn't come at other times. It has been studied and uh, from the ones that have been asked, basically unchurched people 70% of the time uh, have not been to church because they've not been asked. And so we hope that you'll invite someone to come and be with you next Sunday morning for Sunday school and for worship. We'll look forward to that time together. Let's enjoy the day this morning, tonight, and just enjoy what God has done for us each and every day. There's a communication card in the bulletin. If you're visiting with us, you never filled one of these out, please fill that out and drop it in the offering plate as it comes by. We rejoice in knowing that no matter what we may face this world, facing this world this week, we know, we know who will face it for us. So today, let us just let go of all the weight in this world. Let us just see Jesus. Let us worship Him. Let's see this. We have the video ready. Going. I am Frank, and a uh, little shout out to my subscribers, who I also know as Mom and Dad. Uh, just putting this little video together to show people how cool church can be. Put a little list together, so for the next 40 minutes or so, we're going to be... 
to do it. <laughs> can, can I be frank? I'm frank. Okay, Carl. We don't need 40 minutes to explain why church is cool. As a matter of fact, I can do it in under three minutes. Mrs. Edwards, drop the beat. Just as we 
kind of, as I worked, I pulled up this thing in the back. A guy by the name of Todd Fields from North Point Community Church in Atlanta. I'm in this worship, online worship conference. And he had people from, uh, I can't think of the guy's name now, but he used to lead worship with, uh, travel with um, Billy Graham. Uh, all the way down to um, some of the new folks that we sing their songs, Chris Tomlin and Matt Redman. He entered Matt Powell on third day. He interviewed all these people just about worship. Um, and he had a lot of pastors in there, uh, Andy Stanley and Louis Giglio and some folks like that. And he just talked to them about worship uh, and just the things that go into it, things that go into playing his services. But there was uh, one comment that really um, just hit me um, was Christy Knopfels. Um, she sings. I would curse home a lot, but that's beside the point. Um, she uh, made a comment as Todd Fields interviewed her. She said, you know, every Sunday when we're preparing for a worship service, she said, as a worship leader, as a pastor, she said, you know, they don't need you. The people in the, you guys, the people in the congregation don't need the worship leader. They don't need the pastor. Um, but they need Jesus. And so, as you're leading, she said, as you're leading, as you're getting ready to preach, you know, just be sure that you point them to Jesus and be sure that they realize, you know, what Jesus is all about. So today as we sing, as Brother Matt comes up with the word, we just want you to get Jesus. If you get nothing else, um, get Jesus and realize that, you know, we, our, our prayer is this next song of the Holy Spirit would just come and meet with us and, and that we would move in this place and that we would grow. Christ. And if you don't know Christ, that you would get to know Christ. Because without Jesus, without Christ, you got nothing. Um, so, just then, um, my voice is going to go out in like two seconds. So, I really need you guys to sing loud um, and just get into it with us and go for it today. Give Jesus everything you got. So, let's worship together. Because we 
overflow. Uh, and today, uh, we're going to touch on uh, the words like overflow, of words, and the words that are of encouragement, the words that point towards the gospel and teach the truth of Jesus Christ. And uh, that last song, this is my story, this is my song, praising our Savior all the day long. I think when it talks about the overflow of words, that's what we're looking at. Um, you know, just a life, living a life that overflows, and the words that flow out are all about Jesus and all about what he's done in our life. And, um, and just uh, the fact of, we can rest in the fact that when all else fails, Jesus Christ remains. Um, so let's just uh, continue to worship and prepare our hearts to speak in this word.
Amen. Dear Lord, we love you. And we thank you that your love never, never runs out. We thank you that you're always there. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for um, your love and your grace and your mercy. Dear Lord, we just thank you um, most of all for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the blood that was shed and on the cross, the, the sin debt that was paid for us. And the Lord, we thank you that not only uh, was that debt paid on the cross, but he, Jesus died on the third day, defeating death, giving his life everlasting. And the Lord, I pray that that truth rings clear today, um, that your love took you to a cross, and if it's strong enough to take you to a cross, it's never going to leave us. You're never going to forsake us. Lord, I pray that we would just worship you the rest of this time together today. And as we leave this place, we're right now, I pray that we worship you and give you our tithes and our offerings. I pray that we would uh, just be obedient to that, that we would um, truly pray like the first song said, that the Holy Spirit would come and move in this place today. That the Holy Spirit would meet us here as we open up the word, open up your word, your word of truth. Um, let us speak to us today. Speak to Brother Matt. Dear Lord, most of all, just uh, we pray that we would just worship you and give you honor and glory in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I just kind of want to put a PS on the worship we've had in music this morning. Hasn't been awesome? Man, the spirit filled, spirit led. What an awesome word of God song this morning. We look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 again. We speak of the overflow of God in us. In so many ways, the Apostle Paul tells the church at Corinth that we ought to overflow grace, overflow in joy, overflow in the mercy that God has blessed us with. And in all truthfulness, in this context, He's telling the church at Corinth, you have already overflowed in faith. You have overflowed, he said, in utterance or in word. This word utterance is the same word found in John 1.1. Logos, which literally means divine uh, uh, utterance, a divine uh, impression. The, the word of God made clear by God. And so we see the church at Corinth putting forth overflowing in the Word. And that's what I want to briefly talk to you about and share from our heart this morning. He said, it's very obvious that we're doing it. You're doing it. There are many visitors here this morning because someone cared. And someone had to Share the truth with you. Is that all? I can't believe y'all can't hear me. <laughs> You're bad. Okay. Today I want us to look at an overflowing word. He said, therefore, as you have overflowing everything, he said, overflowing faith. Overflowing others. Overflow in the Word. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8.3 in the wilderness. The first temptation that Satan comes and tempts Christ with is at the closing end of a 40-day fast. And he walks up to Jesus. He said, look at the stone. Why don't you aren't, you, aren't you starving? Why don't you turn that rock into a piece of bread? Jesus quoted the Lord as He spoke to the children of Israel through the wilderness when He had brought manna. And yet God said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. I like the commercial on TV. You know, when they had saved 15% in 15 minutes. He said, well, everybody knows that. Yeah, but did you know that words can hurt you? And the cowboy rides off into the sunset with the big D in. He runs into the words. Words can hurt you. We used to always say, stinks and stones should break our boat. And that was just being sarcastic because if it didn't bother us, we wouldn't have said anything back. The truth is, words do hurt. But words can't help. 
That's what I want to talk about today. Words can help in so many ways. He said that we ought to overflow with the word. Church, the only hope for this world is Jesus Christ. And he said in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It all comes down to Him. Everything. When God, when Jesus looked at the apostles and said, Who do men say that I am? And they said, Oh, one of the prophets, Elijah, whatever. He said, Yes, but who do you say that I am? We need to know. This world needs to know the truth in this world. The world is facing the issues of life much as Pilate did. Jesus walked down and stood before Pilate in the judgment hall. And Jesus declared who he was. That he was real truth. Not just part of truth. But in his very essence, he was truth, for God can tell no lies. Out of him flows all truth. And yet, Pilate, not being able to face the truth, turned and said, what is truth? You see, we have lived in a pluralistic, relativistic society for thousands of years. Where we say your truth is not my truth. My friends, I'm going to tell you. It does not matter what side of the hemisphere you wake up on. Which one of the seven continents you live on. It does not matter what language you speak. Or what race of people you are. There's only one truth. There's only one truth. And it's not what any individual man believes. It's not what any denomination believes. It is who God is in the flesh. The Word. Jesus Christ. That's what it comes down to. Everything else is speculation. And I want us to understand today how these words can help. If we're truly overflowing with the Word of God in us. I'm going to tell you, I had a great time with our students this morning in Sunday school. They actually talked a little bit to me as I asked about the book of Romans. It was the concluding just kind of an overview of the book of Romans. And I asked him, have you ever thought Romans has probably one of the biggest collections of quoted verses of all the New Testament, if not all the Bible? And they began to quote me. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 10.13, Romans 8.1, Romans 8.28, Romans 12.1 and 2. They were quoting these verses. That would thrill the pastor's heart, man. All of those are words. And fit in a sentence sound good, but when it's inspired word, it's words of education, you see. As we overflow, we ought to share words of education. We teach our kids what to do and what not to do. We teach them in our schools about different things. I thought we were learning this morning Angles descending. I thought we were having math class. Did y'all see that? Yeah. It was angles descending. I thought that was kind of funny. 
I started thinking exponents and stuff. I said, oh Lord, I'm having terrible flashbacks. I'm getting woozy. I'm in math class. Angles. Area. But the truth is that the Word of God is not to sit on a communion table. It's not just to put flowers from your grandmother's funeral press. It's not just to write births and deaths. Bible is the living Word of God. And it is our roadmap. It is our instruction manual. It is our orientation manual. It is our direction for life in everything we do. And whether we are 12 or 42 or 96, it still speaks to our lives when we're willing to listen. A word of education. God overflowing in His Word in us. You see, first of all, as I've already quoted in John 1.1, 1, 1, we understand, understand of the words of education there is a need. There is a need in this world that we all face. Everybody. No matter background, no matter culture, no matter wealth, no matter demographic, there is a need. We must understand, first of all, in the words of education from God's Word, is He is God. In the beginning, God. You want to know why this world's so messed up today? It's their worldview. Their worldview, from the very start, says we don't know if there is a God or we know there is no God. And so their, their whole view of life, every decision based on that worldview, is flawed without the Creator. But we know, in the beginning, God. Right? We know it from Genesis 1-1. We know it from John 1-1. We know it from the evidence, Romans says, from nature, which declares He is God. That ought to overflow in our life. You know why it doesn't? Because we don't study to show ourselves approved unto God. 2 Timothy 2.15 It's not just for the Sunday school teacher. It's not just... For the pastor. It's for all of us. If we're born again, we ought to know enough about the Word of God to share that Word of education with the world that there's a need. He's God. And we're not. Because the second point of a church, not even church, a Christian worldview, first is He's God. He created it perfect. But the second problem is, we're man and we've messed it up. Youth, did we not talk about that this morning? That we're all sinners? Everybody, no matter how good we think we are. Romans 3.23 All have sinned and come short. You know what the word sin in the Greek literally means? To shoot at a target and to miss. To miss the mark. Jamie, to shoot low. Amen. <laughs> I know the feeling. To miss. To just, you know, I stood there and 
shot flung arrows and shot bullets and think, how in the world did I miss? Because I didn't aim the right spot. We try in our own flesh to, to hit the target. To, you know, the targets and the goals of our lives to be a good person, to be wealthy, to be smart, to be popular, to be this, to be that. But if we're not aimed at the right target, and the only way, listen, we can hit the target is if God shoots our arrow. Because we cannot do it. He's God, we're not. Those are words of education. And the sooner you teach your kid that, the better off they'll be. Stop teaching them they'd be anything they want to be. That's unbiblical. Amen? That is unbiblical. It's unbiblical to tell your kid they'd be anything they want to be if they set their mind to it. That is not what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. What He said, not my will, but thy will be done. God humbled Himself in the place of the Son. And was made a little lower than the angels. Took on the robe of flesh. Came, born of a virgin. Lived without sin and yet died for our sin. He didn't go against his own will, but he submitted his will. He didn't go to the cross begrudgingly, but he did what the Father sent him to do. What's God calling you to do? We need those words of education. Now hear me. I didn't say you've got to settle and just be lazy and sorry and be entitled to everything. You can be anything God wants you to be. That's Be who you are, but make sure being everything God has called you to be. I'm going to tell you, there is no satisfaction, no happiness in this world <coughs> like being who God's called you to be. All have sinned. You want to know the real word of education? He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Therefore, seeing we have this mercy as we receive mercy, we thank not. But we renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Listen to verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Church, we must overflow with words of education. As the old hymn says, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Jesus saves. It's a word of education, but notice, we ought to be overflowing with words of evangelism. You say, well, I thought you just talked about that. That's just the start. Before you can get someone saved, you've got to get them lost. Now, they're already lost, but most people don't understand that. Most, under, most people think they're all right. If you went out and told an average American, they would think, well, yeah, there is a God, and He's love, and ultimately, everybody's just going to get there. That's not what God's Word says. Yeah, but Jesus loves the little children. Yes, Jesus loves the little children. But as I ask the youth this morning, if you can be good enough, if you can be smart enough, if you can be wealthy enough, if you can be religious enough, if you can get baptized in every denomination and, and, and get, get all your corners covered and be okay, why did Jesus die? 
why Jesus died, we could be okay. If God just loves us, He looks the other look. God don't look the other way. He's a holy God that demands judgment. His righteousness declares there must be a payment for that which is against God. And Jesus went before the Father and says, I completely concur. Your holiness, our holiness, demands righteousness. But there is no righteousness in this world. Therefore, I will be the righteousness for them. There must be a sacrifice. And I'll do it. And we've got to let the world know that. He said in John chapter 6, verse 68. I love this. Man, you're talking about a powerful verse. Simon Peter said, Lord, where, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? Where, where are we going to go? What are we going to do to find fulfillment? We have went to every place you can imagine. We've taken trips. We've taken substances. We've uh, indulged in, in, in filthiness and relationships and everything you can imagine. Trying to fill a God-sized hole with a square peg of this world. And the only thing that will fill your need, that will fill that emptiness that you experience every day in the quiet recesses of your life, when you feel like it just doesn't matter, when it feels like I just can't be happy, I can't experience something I know is out there, and I'm trying. If you will just simply acknowledge Jesus Christ, you have the words of life. You are the word of life. You're my only hope. The church is our job. Listen, there is a Savior. We saw with words of education there's a need. For there's none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That we're broken vessels that can hold no water. That our righteousness is as filthy rags. And that the wages of that sin is death. But. Well, that, that's, I mean. That's the greatest but of all time. But the gift of God. Eternal life through Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad we're not going to get what we deserve? I am. But it's not because I somehow fixed it. It's because God, for Christ's sake, loved me. It's not by works of righteousness which I have done. And so when I tell others, as I'm telling you today, I want to make it vividly clear. I've never earned one speck of salvation. I've never earned a speck of righteousness. It's all because of Him. Him alone. He is life. He is not just life. He's my life. If you're born again, He's your life. If you're lost, He can be your life. You see, He said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father 
but I mean. He says, Buck, stop shooting. I'm the man. I'm the man. I beat all the other men. I am the man. I am the man Jesus Christ. I am God man who came from heaven and died for your sins. I am the way. The only way. Church. We need to go out and tell this world, yes, it's back to church Sunday. And then we're giving names amnesty. Next, we'll, we'll welcome you in. Our borders are completely open next Sunday. But more than anything, we need to be telling lost people it's not just about church. It's about the Lord of the church. It's about the bridegroom of the bride. It's about the vine, not the branches. It's about the shepherd, not the sheep. It's about the gold. It's about Jesus. Amen. It's all about Him. Everything we sung this morning is about Him. Everything we're preaching about is about Him. Everything we do on Wednesday night is about Him. Everything we do together, our part, must be about Him. We need to tell the world there's a Savior. There is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's what the, the Magi got so excited about. Man, that's all the star. They knew based on the Word, there's a Savior. And uh, Simon and Anna. Simon said, we have a Savior. I can die now. I've been looking for Him all my life. He's here. Lord, you can take me now. Everything's good. Anna had lived as a widow for most of her life and yet rejoiced in that day. The thief rejoiced in that day too. And he met him hanging beside him on the cross. One who knew no sin, dying for the one who had committed sin that was dying right beside him. I got news for you. You're dying in your sin if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. It's words of evidence. You see, not only is there a need and that there's a Savior, but there is truth in Jesus. He is our Savior. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. It's not Jesus plus. It's not Jesus plus. Squared. It's not Jesus and. It's just Jesus. Aren't you glad it's that simple? I'm not that proud. Hey, y'all being compassionate this morning. I thought there'd be all kind of amens right there. You resemble that tomorrow, don't you? But I'm not. My daddy reminds me. Mama, you know, she gives me a good son bless his heart. My daddy and daddy just say, boy, that's just dumb. You know? I'm not that proud. I couldn't have figured out some complex method. But what I can know is my sin. I can know Jesus loves me. You know why? Because number one, it's sin. Number two, 
Simple people simply love Jesus and love being atoned. Sunday school teachers. How many teach children's classes? That's where I learned. I learned it in my boys' class. I learned it with my, my boys' teachers who would give us a 50 cent piece if we would recite the scripture. Or we'd do Bible drills and RAs and he'd give us 50 cent pieces whoever would win. Hey, whatever works. Cash works for me. <laughs> Those sweet ladies who taught us in Bible school when we were young, when you think they're not paying attention, when you think that all they're doing is causing chaos. Look, I walk by some of the classes sometimes and I don't stop because all I see is this fear and panic just raking the faces of our workers. And I just walk off and snicker. Actually, very humble. said, thank you, God. I'm not in there. You call me the pastor. I can't keep the nursery. I got to preach. But the truth is, they're getting it even when you think they're not. That's They're getting it. They're in church. They're around godly people. And we're teaching them with words of evidence that Jesus saves. And Jesus cares. And they see it on us. They see it in us. They see it by us. He said in Ephesians chapter 3, or Ephesians 1 and verse 13, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. He said, whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. There's words of evidence. We need to show the world what's happening in us. It's living the testimony. You know what people really believe? Not time the sky philosophies. It's not things that you can't show some energy about. But when you look somebody in the eyes and say, look, this is what the Bible says, but I want to add to it, I was a sinner on my way to hell. And God showed me in His Word through the preached gospel, through somebody sharing with me. I know, I don't care what other people say, I know that the Bible tells me that I was a sinner. The Holy Spirit revealed it in my life. And I realized Jesus loved me and died for me. And I've got news for you. I don't care what the world says. Jesus forgave me of my sins and saved me to the uttermost. That's what people need to hear. You know what the Apostle Paul went preaching? He was very brilliant. Do you know what he preached? Same thing old simple fisherman Peter did. The gospel of Jesus Christ. What Jesus did for him. When they wanted him to come teach, Peter says, look, gold and silver have I none, but what I got I give you. He began to proclaim unto them Jesus. Paul began to tell him how he was a Christian killer on his way to imprison Christians. He met a man named Jesus. His life was never the same. That's what the world's got to hear. Not what the preacher said, but what Jesus did in you. Now they come hear what I've said. But you know what? Even better than hearing me standing in a pulpit is hearing me in the street telling them Jesus saved personal testimony. The words of encouragement. Look, do we not hear enough negative in the world? 
I just got tired of it. And I've gotten rudely tired of it. To the point somebody wants to start talking negative to me, I give them a hand. So I don't want to hear it. I told them one other thing, I don't want to hear it. They wanted to talk negative about somebody else. I said, look, first of all, I love you. And if somebody was going to say something about you, I would do the same thing for you. So I'm going to tell you, with that being known, I don't want to hear you talk about another one. I don't hear it. And if I don't open up and in, induce myself into it, then I got to work about it. And then I'd put a stop to it right then. We didn't put a stop to negativity. You know what? I love this scripture. Proverbs 25, verse 11 said that a fitly spoken word is like apples of gold in frames of silver. That sounds like some kind of poetic, just, you know, apples of gold in frames of silver. But that's what Solomon said. I don't think you have the words to truly, fully describe how good a fitly spoken word is. They say it takes 33 positive statements to overcome one negative. Can't we be positive about something? Hey, you look at somebody and say, you look like you've been eating good. No, we won't say that. <laughs> we, like, what did our moments tell us? If you can't say something nice, hush. Just don't say it. And understand, if you can't say something nice, then your heart's not right. Because there's plenty good in this world because all of you who are Christians, it's something good. I can say, man, I was at church Sunday with godly people. Man, our choir showed it out. Our youth were into the Sunday school lesson. Man, our, our instrumentalists are faithful to pray. The singers and the church, man, it was just great. Some of you who text and put on things on social media, pray for your pastor, pray for your church. Oh, man, I'm excited about what Esau's doing. All this, that's, that's words of encouragement. Senior adults, y'all know how much I respect you. And I tell the young people they need to come and listen to you. But I want to tell you something. It wouldn't hurt some of you to go to some of these young couples and encourage them. And say, look, I've been married for 41 years. I've been married 36 years. I've been married 54 years. And I want to tell you there's nothing like it in the world. Keep loving each other and loving Jesus. Encourage someone. Amen? We complain about the youth today, the pants hanging down. We complain about this. We complain. Go encourage them. They're in church. Stop for a minute and say, I like seeing you in church. I like your smile. You look nice today. Thank you for being part of Eastside. Thank you. I love you. It'd be amazing. amazing. I think it's already been happening to this side. I really do. Let us speak a word of encouragement because isn't there hope? Titus chapter 2 says there's a blessed hope, and that is the appearing of our great God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Look, words of enjoyment. There's joy in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to wind it down. 
Romans chapter 8. He said in verse 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Here's where it starts overflowing. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The above one start to overflow. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Now it speaks to really start boiling over the rim. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? And as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, height, death, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you enjoying your Christianity? If you didn't just about jump out of your seats with those songs this morning, maybe you're not enjoying your salvation. Are you enjoying the Word of God preached or taught? If not, maybe there's something out of kilter with your spirit and with the Lord. If it really just bothers you to be in church and to hear this, maybe you're just lost. But be reminded there's a word that can change all of Jesus. They come right now. In Him and Him alone. Do we find courage, enjoyment? Everything we need is in Him. What is it that's holding you back? He's done it all for you. And I encourage you with this word. The same word that John at the end of Revelation speaks toward Jesus. Come. The same word that the Spirit says, come. The same word that Jesus issued to all the little children and all those hungry. If you have a need for Jesus today, if you have a need for joy and happiness and life everlasting, if you've never been baptized, you've been born again, but you know you need to come in believer's baptism, we're going to have it next Sunday morning. You need to come right now. Stop rationalizing. Stop with your own philosophies. Come today. Acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're saved, come. Say, I want to be baptized. If you're lost, come and say, I need Jesus. If you need to join this church, you just need to pray, God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Come. As they say, stay.
morning, or maybe you did, would you like to talk with me? I'm usually the last one to leave. I always try to hang around. And this morning, I really feel like I need to stay around. Whoever needs to talk to me, you feel uncomfortable in front of everybody? I, I get that. I do. If you'd like to talk to me, Chad, just stay after, after everybody's gone if you want. Never want to embarrass anyone. Know that we love you. Jesus loves you. If there's anything we can do to help Visitors, you're our guests. We hope you'll come back and be with us again next week. I get here early. You look around, kind of crowded. We'll get out some more chairs next week. That's all right, too. More than merrier. Anything else before dismissed? Yes, Dean. Yes, the spaghetti uh, luncheon. You can buy tickets for that. It's going to help the Sherry Almond. Uh, the mission aspect of her trip back to Uganda. And uh, so every penny goes to helping those young mothers and many, many opportunities to serve. Her trip's paid for. This is all about sewing machines and materials and helping investing, that's right, in the kingdom. So uh, make sure you get tickets for Sunday, two weeks from today, the 28th. All right, anything else before dismiss this morning? All right. <laughs> Look at your announcements in the bulletin. How about that? All right, nothing else? Man, I've enjoyed this morning. We're glad you're here. I hope to see you again next week, if not tonight. Brother Philip, we just want to some prayer this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for your goodness and your presence. There is no substitute for you. God, I pray that not as we stay here, but as we leave here, that we would be reminded that there is no substitute for your presence in so that we would allow your word to dwell in us richly. And that because of that word, our lives would be changed and others would get a glimpse of you and be drawn to you. We thank you for that blessed opportunity, Father. You didn't have to include us. We did. And it's for your glory. I pray we go out and remember and use us to encourage one another and to lift your name.